0: What is up everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. How are you holding up? How is it it's like the millionth week of I don't know, do you still even have a job? is your relationship over? Have you gotten divorced? Are you waiting for this to end so that you can get divorced? Have you reconnected with an old loved one? Are you considering reconnecting with an old loved one? How many times a day are you uh, jerking off to just try and, you know what, that gets too personal. I I don't want to know what your masturbation habits are. That's disgusting. I apologize for asking. That's no way to start the podcast. Welcome back to run your mouth podcast. I'll tell you one of the things I'm really actually, uh, starting to enjoy about being at home is I'm doing all my work for my parents' porch. This is like 24-7 summer porch tour. I go out there at exactly... 12 p.m. on a good day because that's when I like to start my work day. And I like different locations for different activities. I like waking up in the morning, pretending like I'm going to write, sitting at my computer till about noon, and then going to the porch as the official mark of starting my work day, which I don't even do that. There's like lunch in between, and sometimes there's a little bit of exercise, and sometimes there's some morning writing. I, I wasn't starting this podcast in order to for you guys to judge my habits. I wasn't judging what you're doing with your penis during quarantine, so I don't want you judging my work habits. The point is, I'm out working for my porch, and I love it, because I spend the entire day outside. I take these phone calls, and I'm yelling about sponsorships, and the neighbors are looking at me like, what the fuck is this Jew up to? And I'm just throwing names out into the wind and big numbers and I'm just saying, I like working outdoors. I'm going to, I might, even when this thing is over, I might turn my parents' porch into my full time office. There is something, I don't know that that will work in the winter, but there is something really nice about just spending all day because you guys know the passion I have for porches. That's why I started the summer porch tour. I was living in New York City, I was porchless, not homeless. I had a place to live, but porchless. It's like semi homeless. It's like when you don't have all the, uh, fine accoutrements of a normal home dwelling and so you realize hey i'm spending all my life inside in this shitty cramped new york city apartment so i'm gonna force the fans to invite me over so that i can broadcast from their porch that i can experience some of what summer and having a porch is all about and a bunch of you very graciously had me your homes. are we gonna even do a there will be a summer porch tour this summer i don't know how i don't know where I don't know what porches I'm gonna end up on. We'll definitely do some repeats. There's some porches I want to revisit. I want to revisit Alex. He made me a delicious steak. He's invited me out to go shoot some guns. I want to do that with Alex. Uh definitely want to go back uh to uh Professor Lady. She had a nice porch. I'm sure we can jam out on some other philosophy talking why germs aren't real. What were some other good ones? I don't remember. Oh, definitely Yosef's porch and he might even have furniture. Uh, and then I definitely want to get some new ones in the roster. I don't want it to all be repeats. That's boring. You know, you come into season three and you do all the things that you just did in season one and two. Definitely want to do another one from the shed cast. Maybe even want to get in a smoke out bug out. Uh, you know what? Maybe I should just road trip summer porches, give up my apartment in July and then just, I got a car now. Just go cross country, whatever. Whatever fans got a porch, <laughs> I'll just work off the porch until I I realize I hate that location, and then we'll be on to the next location. Who knows? Maybe that'll be my life. Um, all right. So, oh, I, this uh, this might be a Jerry Seinfeld joke. If it isn't, it should be. But I was eating an apple today, and I had a moment of panic that I got the sticker stuck on the inside of my throat. It turned out to just be a piece of the apple. But I had a moment where I thought maybe that was going to be my life now, that I just had stickers stuck on the inside of my throat. And then I was like, why the fuck do they even put stickers on fruit? It's like, I know it's an apple without you labeling it as an apple. The, 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 the sticker doesn't even tell you apple. What does the sticker add to it? Why? And like, it seems tedious to put a sticker on every, is like some sort of a tax thing that they need to put stickers on fruit? I'm genuinely curious if anyone has done a bit on this because I'm never going to do this. It's not my style of stand up, but I had a moment of panic where I thought I was going to have to spend the rest of my life with the sticker on the inside of my throat. I don't even know if that makes sense, but you know, when you panic, you, you definitely take things to the extreme. And, uh, all right. Biden, did you guys see him? He finally made a public appearance. He was wearing the mask, and, uh, you know, people, I've been seeing these conspiracy theories online that Biden's dead, that, that that that's why this whole coronavirus thing is going on. He can't be making public appearances because he's died and they got a stunt double. And as a person who follows Biden and I've heard all these press conferences that he's done from his basement, I don't think anyone else can fake being that stupid. That is 100 percent authentic Biden. And and the way he's stuttering just gets better and better. It's like I worked with, you know, Lamb. Lamb-a-bam, you know what was his name? The black guy. I was working with the the black bi- guy, Obama. Gosh darn it, you you know him. We we were in the office. We used to sniff kids together. Hydroxychlorine. Did I get that right? Did I even pronounce that correctly? Uh, I think I did. Anyone know what the deal here with that is? Because this is Corona times. I'm done researching things. I don't. I don't. I don't have it in me. I'm, I, I, that's why we're talking about porches for 20 minutes. I'm done with the news. If there's anything exciting in the news, just email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. It's at this point, like what's going on? So the the feds just printed all the money and and it's giving it to the banks. And I can't understand why we don't have hyperinflation because there's something called the Euro dollar and there's more money in existence and debt than can possibly be represented by bills. And it seems like part of why they got to bail out all the people in the financial sector is because otherwise you would notice the price signals that the economy should fail because there's more money in derivatives than actually exists in the entire world. That's always what they say. Like, uh, why BlackRock needed the bailout because the price signals. And that's just because, yeah, because if that fails, everyone will realize that the whole system's a fucking sham. So who the hell knows what's going on there? The political scene is you got Trump versus, uh, versus Biden. They're both a bunch of putzes. I don't think Biden has a chance. Um, I don't know. Anyways, but here's what's interesting with the hydroxychlorine. Uh so what the fuck is going on here? And what I mean by that is like this thing has been around for a while and like countries like India that manufacture the shit out of it so they're issuing it to their people and at the same time it seems like the entire system is trying to go hey this thing's dangerous you can't use it, it won't help but then you look at who all these people are that are issuing those statements it's the who Falky Gates people that have the alternative treatment to this thing which is the Gildan whatever I don't know the the Remiskler I probably could have looked up the name of it but like I said I'm done reading you guys just go to other places for information now until I'm I'm protesting the the Corona thing. By the way, this is what's funny to me about Corona more than anything else. You know, there's something about not commuting that just throws off my entire workflow. There's something about having that hour where you don't have to commute to work where you're like, oh, look, I have an extra hour in my day, so let me just see what's on Netflix. And then it's nine seasons and three months later. I don't even know how I keep finding shit to watch online. I keep thinking after like I, I started off and I don't even usually watch that TV. I think I started off, um, quarantine and I watched all of Ozark and I fast forwarded a bunch cause I kind of thought it was boring, but I felt compelled to finish it. And then for three days I was like, that's it. I'm not going online. I'm not finding anything else to watch. And now it's three months later and I keep finding shit to watch. Um, Interesting note on Netflix, and maybe you guys have some information on this, because I said I'm done reading, unless you email it to me. If people email it to me, I'll read it. Rob'snewsroom at gmail.com. Uh what do you think their politics are? Because I know they had they were talking about when they did the net neutrality thing that they gave this giant payout to Obama for net neutrality. Net neutrality would have favored uh, Netflix because then like I think at nighttime hours. A huge percentage of internet bandwidth is basically people who are watching Netflix, like or at least this was true two years ago. Um, and so, net neutrality would help companies like Netflix because then the cable providers wouldn't be charging a premium to someone like Netflix. And I guess the other thing that's interesting about that is like, I, I, you know, the, I, I guess some of the internet is also the people who would be giving you television. So they do have the competing product and now all of a sudden you got this thing that's free online that's eroding their core product. I never even saw anyone talk about this. I'm kind of just piecing this together in my head. It's eroding their core product, which is television, um, but it's still using their infrastructure. And so I guess I, it would make sense where they're like, hey, you're using our infrastructure, you're still in our other business, um, you got to pay a little bit more. And so they passed this thing called net neutrality, which went away, which basically said that you're not allowed to um, you know, charge a... People who are using the most bandwidth, more money for, or you're not even allowed to have premium access. Premium access part is the part that makes the least sense because it's like having first class. You know, if uh, Netflix wants to dominate the market and, and like that's the inverse of this. As opposed to them being fine, they actually want to make the investment to get you quicker access to their site so that by comparison, YouTube runs slower, which it doesn't because I think they uh, they must have better you know, I haven't really had a problem with Netflix running slow in a while. Maybe that's because my parents have good uh, Wi-Fi out in Connecticut, but we're getting very distracted here. What I was trying to get at is, what do you think the politics of Netflix is? Because they seem to put up content that I think you wouldn't have found from any other network. So here's some of the examples that come to the top of my mind. I remember about a year ago, they put out this uh, movie about um the wars in afghanistan where brad pitt was playing playing a general and it was a very anti-war movie it was very clear it's like that guy uh, the the general that brad pitt is playing he just wants to win at all costs but then the subtext is that there's no war to win there's no clear enemy and this guy is just trying to get more and more resources for what can't possibly be won it was one of the better and, and it actually was not that good of a movie but in terms of just showing hey th- th- this is a bullshit, stupid war. It was a pretty compelling Like I, I, remember even watching it and saying to Dave at the time, like I'm surprised that this thing even got made and was put up on Netflix. Uh, but now I'm also seeing there's like a lot of uh druggy stuff. They just did that um, a show with a bunch of people talking about uh taking psychedelics, and then you also have the uh the Duncan Trussell show. So they seem to be like pro hallucinogens, or at least very liberal about putting out content that explores and is pro um, hallucinogens. So just, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking that these companies have, especially the media companies, they kind of have a, uh, um, some sort of an angle in terms of the content that they want to produce and put out there. And so I'm curious what you guys think the political structure behind Netflix is. The other thing I'm noticing with Netflix is, uh, uh, firstly, I was binging on community for a little bit and, um, the better episodes of Community are the best episodes of television. Like, when I watch the better episodes of Community, I think, oh, maybe this was the best show ever. But then I think, like, all of season two is pretty perfect. There are scattered episodes of episode three. But then you watch the ones that are bad, and you're like, ah, I don't even like this show. Rick and Morty is starting to have that a little bit, too. Where, like, that episode they did recently with the train, I totally hated. Uh, but Netflix, so... Their original movies fucking stink... I like it's like the McDonald's of of television where they take a director you like, they take actors you like and then you sit down and you're like I don't even know if I just watched a movie. Me and my dad watched a movie with Anne Hathaway, first Anne Hathaway wasn't even skinny in this movie. I only got to see one of her titties. Uh what's his name was in it? Uh um Ben Affleck was in it and the the movie made if you want to just sit down and be angry about having watched something for an hour and a half and not even sure what it's about. I even know what the name of that movie was. Um Anyways, here's the newest thing I'm wasting time with. Uh, and if you're looking for new content to watch, I recommend this. Firstly, Totally Slept On, uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. Hilarious show on Cartoon Network. And you got to really respect, I think the guy's name is Dave Willis, because he made Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which went on for seasons and was amazing. And before Aqua Teen Hunger Force, he did the... Um, uh, I think he worked on Harvey Birdman, Attorney a lot, and then I I know he worked on the um, I never watched it, but the uh the fake talk show um that they did also for seasons, uh and then after that he did Squidbillies, which I did not watch, and now he's got this show. That guy might have be the writer on more episodes of television, or at least like comedy television, than almost anybody, and all hilarious shit. So. If you go to the Cartoon Network website, they've got their streams going. Venture Brothers, that's one of my favorite television shows of all time. And you can go between Rick and Morty, Venture Brothers, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, and I'm telling you, if you thought you were out of shit to watch, like easily four or five days, you can just do nothing else. You just bounce around between this stream and that stream um, where you can get real lucky because your pretty face is going to hell is only five seasons. Firstly, they threw it up on Hulu, but you can catch that thing from season one and then just you can't you can't move now. Now you can just you got to binge that whole thing. You watch the whole thing in order. You have a good time. All right, that's enough with the uh, with the Netflix talk. I feel like maybe I had more to say about hydroxychlorine, and then I got distracted. I think what I was trying to say is, it feels like all the information is it, it backtracks to some sort of a lobby and some sort of a money thing, and like they're just trying to win over public opinion. And so for a while, Trump was taking it, and then Google was even suppressing search results for people trying to look it up, and I, I like. I don't know enough. I'm going to get a guest on here. I've been re I've people emailed me with a couple recommendations for guests to talk about the Gates who Falky connection. Um, I haven't tracked someone down yet. I might reach out to Sam Parker again. He was an interesting guy and I see him tweeting about that a whole bunch. Um, but it kind of seems to me like this hydroxychlorine hydroxychlorine versus, um, And like every organization that's panning it just has investments the other way. And that might be just a very um, cynical way of looking at the news. um, But I I just kind of feel like that's what's going on. Uh, Other things I want to talk about is uh, my family does family meals. Um, and I've noticed I eat so much more at family meals than anywhere else because people eat so fucking slow and you can't just get up from the meal table after like, if you're like me, can I tell you, this is, I, I like eating in one of two ways. Uh, way number one is if I'm sitting down and I've got like a show lined up, then I like sitting down and like lining up my meal and, you know, syncing up your first bite of the sandwich with the, you know, the television show that you got on the DVR. That's a situation where I like sitting down to eat. Another situation I like sitting down to eat, maybe you're barbecuing with friends, you're drinking beers. Like, I don't mind that weight of the beer to food and sitting down waiting for the fresh food coming off of the barbecue. But if I'm not doing that, like when I eat alone in my apartments, most of the time I don't even sit down to eat. I I take the food, I put it together, I eat on the counter, I move on with my fucking life, and then it's an easy cleanup, no silverware, none of that bullshit. So I find I'm a quick eater. You sit down for the family meal and your mom spent a while preparing the thing and she likes using every dish in the entire house and then washing every dish in the entire house. So you kind of feel like an asshole, especially I spend my entire day like sitting on the porch in my room. I don't interact that much. So, you know, I guess my mom makes the meals just so that she can interact with us. And it's like a bribe. And then you finish your plate in like two minutes and then they're still eating. So there's nothing to do but eat a second plate of food. And then the other thing I've noticed about family meals that really throw off my eating, and this is more of a weekend thing because we only do uh, like dessert products on the weekend, which has been a problem. I've basically – dude, I'm junk food locust. I've eaten through all of the – like there have probably been candy bars that my mom has stashed in the freezer that were there for six months because she nibbles on a piece every, like, a piece of wheat. They're all gone. I've gone through so much of the junk food in the house, I'm down to, like, the raw ingredients. I was eating just sprinkles the other day. At some point, my mom is going to, like, go to try and make a cake, and she's going to realize she does not have the raw ingredients <laughs> to cook. And she would be like, what happened to the flour and sugar? Because <laughs> I'm an animal. But anyways, here's another thing that I find is contributing to overeating and even, like, a different way than when I would be at home, Uh, I mean, like in my apartment is that I don't know. I find when I'm eating a dessert product, I don't want a gap between meal and dessert product. There's something like when you get to the end of your sandwich and you're almost at peak appetite, you want nothing more than to eat more sandwich, but you realize, Hey, I just ate a whole sandwich. And then right when you're at that moment, you're at peak appetite, you go to the dessert, you overload on the sugar and now you're satisfied. You are full. You have done it. But now, this happens where, you know, I eat my my plate of food and then there's like 20 minutes. Till everyone else is done. It's almost like, uh, you know, w- when you pull out and you're going to come on a chick and she's like, no, don't do it there. And they ruined. OK, maybe that's sick and perverted. And, you know, it, we, we, I said earlier on we weren't going to talk about masturbation or uh, jizzing on this. And there's no reason to sexualize food more than we already do. But I feel like that is a misallocation of dessert resources. I finish like you finish your plate of food. I want dessert immediately. Like that is the moment where you're revved up and you're ready to go. If I gotta wait 20 minutes for it, it's like your appetite almost cools down, and then it's like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna not eat dessert. But then what I find I end up doing is like I eat double or triple dinner because I'm just trying to bridge the gap between sandwich to eating dessert because there's nothing else to do. What how much how much sitting down and making conversation with the, with the family you're really gonna do? We're in our third month of quarantine. People should either come to the dessert table with prepared topics or we should just, you know, eat quicker meals. I don't really know how to put that into action, but I, I think you guys understand what I'm saying. And then here are some other uh, some other quickies that happened in the news. Um, you had that lady from Central Park uh, who put on such a show. I mean, I, we've all dealt with this lady in our life, but it's amazing when you actually get it on camera and. Um, if you guys didn't see it, uh, you know, it, it, firstly, it's annoying that these interactions always start once somebody kind of loses their shit. So you never really get the full story of what happened um, before the cameras got turned on. Uh, so in this case, the guy's claiming that he asked the lady to put her dog on a leash. She refused. Then he pulled like a bit of a jerk where He, she said, Hey, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to come over to you. He said, really? And he like pulled a dog treat out and then she, the dog started coming over. She started freaking out and he's like, you got to put your dog on a leash. And then she goes to call the cops. Um, and, she pulls that lady card, which is the worst lady card. And if you've ever seen visual proof, why we need to throw out this thing of believe all women, it just needs to be thrown out. Like no, no one's allowed to rape women that you're not allowed to do that. Uh, if someone makes a claim, we should probably investigate it. But the idea, just believe all women after seeing this video footage firsthand of just how good of a dramatic, uh, apparently uh, uh, every chick or every chick of this style um, could 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 win an Emmy Emmy for for dramatic performances. Um, so she goes, I'm gonna call the cops and I'm gonna tell them that a a black man, I, I think she uses the word, is attacking me or is threatening me. I think she says a black man is threatening me, and you see that she just she turns from like, you know, she wasn't being nice, and then she plays the card like, hey, we've got to be nice to each other, and I'm a lady, so I particularly am vulnerable and you're 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 violating the social etiquette of both being nice and you're preying on me the weak vulnerable person so she calls the cops and at first she's like calmly like i need you to send somebody because there's a black man and he's threatening me and then she ramps it up to where if i hadn't seen anything but this moment i would have thought that there were black men with like you know, knives and their dicks out. Like she goes to that level of no, no. no you you need to send someone immediately. I'm, be, I'm being threatened by by an African American, and I mean, it, firstly, is this lady from the 1950s where she really thinks if she accentuates African American, they're sending people out quicker? Like, oh my God, a white woman's in distress, and it's an African American, or. Maybe that's uh maybe that maybe that is the way the cops work. Like you got to throw that word in, and then it gets patched to a like they got a quicker line. (laughs) Which brings us to the next, because what I'm trying to get on this one is, I don't I don't want to live in a surveillance state. You don't want to either. Um, but it is kind of fun when uh or maybe even necessary for society when you're living that moment where someone's so in the wrong, and that you can you can capture that moment. And then the court of... I'm not a big fan of the court of public opinion. I don't necessarily like the way that thing works and shames and that people can get fired from their jobs. But there definitely is an element of justice in that... In any other situation, if this was just that guy's word against this lady's word, you'd believe that lady. She's a better performer. She's great at playing the victim. And I'm sure she's gone through thousands or hundreds of interactions in her life. Waiters. Think about how many people that lady has pulled this victim card on. And she was right because you've got this crying white woman who is either the most insane person on the planet or has really just been victimized. And you would believe her. But then you got visual proof, and so you can't. And that brings me to, I, I, dude, I was nearly in tears watching this. It was tragic, that video of uh, um, the black guy in, uh, was it Minnesota Minnesota or Minneapolis? But you have a cop, and the cop has his um, his head on the guy's neck while the guy's head is against the pavement. Now, here's the problem once again. I don't know what happened before this moment. It could have been some homeless, crazy guy who even attacked the cop. And now the cop's got his neck on the back. But then the cop has this moment that because people are protesting it, he wants to let it know, like, no, I'm the I'm the pure authority here. And I'm, I'm saying, like, even if you give him the, the biggest benefit of the doubt that up until that moment, the guy had deserved it. Um, then you have people are noticing like, wow, this cop is being really violent to this guy and this guy can't breathe. And then he's has that moment where he's like, I'm standing my ground. And unless you guys are willing to secede, I'm the cop and I'm the absolute authority and I'm doing my job here. I'm going to keep my. And then you got this Asian guy who's just like, well, I'm with bald white guy. And so I'm enforcing because, you know, we're partners. So I've got his back here. And it is horrifyingly tragic. The guy's got his, you know, his knee either on the neck or kind of on the back of the head. He's smushing against the pavement and the guy's screaming about how he can't breathe. And then he goes out, he goes out and people are yelling at him. Hey man, that guy is out. You better go check him. And then the ambulance or the ambulance shows up. They put him on the ambulance, and once they put him on the ambulance, that guy might have even already been dead, or maybe he died in the hospital, according to official reports. But then I was reading on this site, Blue Lives Matter, where they're giving their categorization of what happened. That this guy was violent, and so you know he attacked the officers. He needed to be subdued, and they kept him, you know, in, in uh, they kept him in restraints until uh, the hospital or the emergency. And and that's the point. If we didn't have video footage of that incident they would have just gone away with it. They would have just made their report of, hey, this guy was out of line, we were trying to restrain him, and he had blank drug in his system, or tragedy, blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't have got away with it. But because there's video footage, it's an interesting thing that we're going into because you would have thought all the surveillance and the upgrades and surveillance would be a major infringement on our freedoms. Um, and in the, in the future, when you know more states go online with like just kind of where they make us aware of just how much is being recorded or when we're made aware of the fact that amazon has access to everybody's rings or i don't know what company makes the rings but i bet the fbi knows how to tap into all of them and get you know unbelievable amounts of footage on all of us at any given moments of time especially if they're correlating all that shit with our phones which they accidentally told us that they're tracking um but There's just something really amazing about these moments where there's no question if it was one person's word against the other, um, these people would have gotten away with it, but solely because of the camera footage, uh, and here's the thing, like, this is the first time at least they fired those cops right away, because usually they go, the blue lives matter, uh, and that, that to me is the human element of... What was so tragic about some of these other cases that usually were like when you fuck up really bad at your job and you make the newspaper? You get fired and the company, like they immediately disassociate, even if you're not that wrong, they immediately disassociate themselves from you because that's the general rule. You fuck up at work and you make the newspaper, you get fired. But when it comes to cops, that's when you start realizing, oh, there's like an overclass here. There's people that rule over us that don't have to play by the same rules because when it comes to like, no, that's team blue and they need to have special privileges because they're maintaining law and order. And you realize so at least they were fired right away. Now what we need is swift justice because usually the the next card that they play is they try and drag out the process as long as possible so that by the time they make a judgment, you know, people are kind of almost forgot about it. Along the lines of fucking shitty-ass judgments, they it supposedly did the investigation on those people that were insider trading on the COVID-19, and they all got off. Once again, like I said, I'm not really reading anymore, so, you know, feel free to tell me what the actual news had to say about it. I'm willing to bet that they had to make that case go away because if they didn't, they were going to unravel a lot of fucking financial scams between what's really going on with senators or how finance works in general. Like you can't have these fucking people being in a court being prosecuted. It's the same as what I was saying with the reason why these banks and people get a, a bailout is because they say, well, there's the price signals in the entire market that if something's going wrong and you know something as fringe as uh, repo loans, then people are going to realize that there's systematic issues in the entire market. So we got to shore up the the repo. It's like no, there are systematic issues in the entire market, and these people are benefiting because the I guess the issues are happening for them first because they're in these derivative products or they're the most overextended. Um, and so they're just kind of lucky that, you know, they don't want the whole thing to crumble. So, um, they get patched up first. Uh, but the good news in all of this is that there's some people who are out of their jobs, but making 30% more being unemployed than they ever made when they had jobs. And what the fuck is more American than not having to work and making some money? You know those are the winners in all this. While while some of us have uh, lost income, have been stuck at our homes, can't pursue our dreams, have our businesses failing, haven't been laid in a while. Whatever your personal misery is within this whole COVID-19 thing, there's some people out there that they're getting, they're cashing government unemployment checks. They're they're cashing unemployment checks and they're getting their Trump bucks. They're living their best possible lives and. What's better than speaking to a winner? Have you guys been watching that Michael Jordan documentary and for 10 minutes getting fueled with that winner energy where you're like, you know what, I'm going to go really work and hone my craft. I want to be a winner too. And it wears off and then it's a week until you can watch four more of those episodes at the same time and feel like a winner for about five minutes. It's important to talk to winners and absorb some of their winning energy. Uh, And so let's give my good friend Kyle a call. All right, so we got... We got my buddy Kyle from Steamboat Comedy, and uh, I've been saying I've been, uh, you know, the COVID, it's getting to me, I'm having a hard time concentrating, reading the newspaper, and so I just, I want to get some of this winning energy from you. Can you tell me how it feels to, you know, be getting paid a lot to not have to work? Uh, I mean, I, it just
1: feels like I wake up and I just piss excellence every day, you know? Like, just just maximizing my time i feel like because uh, you know the every week it is kind of a laborious process to get paid i have to go onto a website and i have to click a series of about 12 yes or no questions uh including did you look for work this week which i say no and uh then
0: i get paid it's so, like I mean, really would you i uh, think i yeah, go ahead. It's like, I haven't seen the questions, but they probably include, would you like to receive government money?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's one that says, are you a lazy piece of shit? And I, of course, hit, yes. Uh, it's really actually just like, did you get paid this week for anything? And you hit no. And it's like, did you receive any bonus pay? And you say, no. That says, you get paid for any holiday pay, and you hit no. And then it says, if you could work were you physically able to do so? And I hit yes. That's the only yes. And then uh, I then asked if you applied for work, which under the normal circumstances, you would have to hit yes and then give them some, you know, made up phone number to some place you didn't actually go to in San Diego. And then uh, you're good to go after that. But now you hit no, and a little thing pops up and it says, why not? And you just write COVID-19 and then they give you money.
0: Well, con- congratulations. Uh, and the reason why you're eligible is you, you worked at a restaurant which was on the uh, the mountain, and the government shut down the mountain, so it's not your fault that you can't work.
1: Correct. Well, I actually uh, usually get it anyway. Um, I've been doing this unemployment game for about four years now because I work in seasonal jobs. I don't know if I uh, if you are on... Uh, Loyal audience remembers me from the last time I came on your show, but I think I might have mentioned it, that I work at a ski resort in the winter, and then, at least for a number of years, I work at national parks in the summer, and there's there's a time off in between where everybody gets laid off. And so you can work these jobs, and then you get about two months off in between, and every time you can get unemployment because you got laid off. So I've been doing this for years.
0: But now it just pays a little better, so I got a little extra time. So, what do people just living off of government money do? What What do your days look like? Do you start it with Mountain Dew? Uh, like (laughs) what? What what exactly do you do? Tell us about the sweet unemployment living.
1: I mean, Mountain Dew is the best coffee. That's a fact. But uh, it was for the first couple months. Man, it's been about.
0: Oh, man. I'm trying to think. It's been over two months, I think, at this point. It's just been... Got shut down. It's been forever. Time is is no longer. There's no such, like... There's no such concept as being late anymore. Like, how can you possibly be <laughs> late for anything? Like, late is just... Tw- that's like a 2020 concept, you know? <laughs> right, yeah.
1: So you're living in the past, man. There's late talk. But, uh... At first last couple months, I was pretty unproductive. And I would pretty much just... uh I'd wake up. I uh, play Skyrim. I'd say Skyrim might be the best investment for anyone.
0: What, is, is, uh, right
1: now. what is Skyrim? I do play Skyrim. It's, uh, it's uh, Elder Scrolls something, something. It's a video game.
0: Is it an RPG? Because uh, those are gay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it is. It's an RPG. It's super gay. You mostly just bang dudes. It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but instead of stealing cards, you uh, bang elves and dwarves and shit.
0: Do you have to to like cast a spell on them first and then like, you know, and then it's like press A or B if you want to try and take off their shirt and then you got to like cast another spell to try and get their pants off and then they try and rape you first, but then you cast your shield spell. Am I getting it kind of right?
1: I mean, you got the gist. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of spell work comes in, a lot of wand work, uh, of course. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the general thing, yeah. And it's, uh, it's uh, it takes place in a magical land called Skyrim. But it's a game. Obviously, you can tell by how uh, enjoyable we just described it. Uh, you can sink probably about 200 hours in this game. It's just like the biggest fucking thing ever. Uh, so the first couple months, I would just wake up and I would do that, and I would bang trolls and shit. And then in the afternoon, uh, let's see, I would play some volleyball with my roommates. We actually bought a badminton net. And played volleyball on it in the backyard, which is great because badminton Mets are like five feet tall, so my short ass could spike on it, which felt really good. Um, but lately, I've been trying to get more productive. I actually came up with a little uh, checklist of things to do, which includes uh, writing comedy for at least 30 minutes every day, reading for at least 30 minutes every day. I actually just signed up for uh, Skillshare, which if you use... Tom Woods promo code—you can get two months for free. I found out, but uh, I'm starting to learn Adobe Premiere more, trying to put out some funny YouTube videos and shit like that. Uh, yeah, I got a little regiment push-ups and stuff. You know, uh, we were just talking on my podcast about our prison workout plans for quarantine, right? So that's
0: still in effect. Yeah, by the uh, way, just, just for, for all the listeners of Run Your Mouth, because I've been putting out podcasts like every other week, um, I did a really fun episode with Kyle, um, and I, I was telling all sorts of stories I never tell here because I try and keep this one a little more kosher because I feel like... You know, when I do other people's podcasts, I feel like it's, uh, like when I'm doing stand-up and it's just a room of strangers, I'm like, fuck it, I'll say that. And then they put, po- like, you know, it gets posted and they're like, share this. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. I didn't want anyone I know to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but go check it out. It was fun and great. What is it? Steamboat Comedy? It's just uh, the Steamboat Comedy Podcast, yeah. Steamboat Comedy Podcast. You know, I was thinking about this the other day in regards to video games, um, I love video games, but I stopped playing video games, uh, about five years ago. I unplugged my Xbox, uh, because I found when I was out doing comedy, I just wanted to get back to my Xbox to play Batman. And so when I finally beat Batman, I saw many hours I spent playing. And I was like, okay, I can't be doing this anymore. Uh, and so part of me, like if I were to sit down and play video games, I'd feel like a fucking loser, but I waste so much fucking time watching television. And like, with like, other bullshit that's not as fun or engaging where I'm like half clicking on shit on YouTube, just to waste time. I should totally, well, I, what I really like to play is half life, the new half life with virtual reality. But then I get afraid, I get a little bit afraid where it's like, there's varying degrees of procrastination. There's like passive procrastination where it's like, you're just kind of thumbing through bullshit on YouTube But you can kind of put it down at some point. And then there's like the, I just started Homeland and now I can't leave the house till I finish this season because I'm hooked. And I get concerned with the video games where it's like, you know, just a different degree of being able to waste time. Um, And then I, I tend to do this thing where I go past the point of fun. It's like with food. It's the same thing. It's like you go past the point of fun. It's like there's the... You know, half a box of cookies was enjoyable to eat, and then you're past that point where you're like, I just have to finish them. Like, I know I don't even like these cookies, <laughs> and they're making me sick, but I just have to finish them. <laughs>
1: right? I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between an enjoyable hobby and just, like, flat-out addiction to something that's useless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I tried,
0: yeah, I tried yeah. doing a joke about that. I never cracked it. Maybe I'll even try to break it up, but like if you've got an addictive personality, nothing's fun because the second you enjoy something, you're like, shit, I'm gonna have to deal with this problem. <laughs> like <laughs>
1: yeah, you're like, Well, I guess I'm hooked now. Yeah. But I was like
0: six months. I think that the joke I tried is like if I if I realize I like bird watching it like a month later I'm living in a tree, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, of all the things we get addicted to, bird watching might not be the worst. I suppose probably no. better than Skyrim.
0: Yeah, unless you start yeah. jerking off to the birds, and that that would be the point where you turn to too weird. <laughs> do
1: you think it'd be best to watch a woodpecker while you beat
0: your woodpecker. Yourself? No, 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 because you would try and match his rhythm, and then you would you would just do damage to your dick. Because I don't even think you could come at that <laughs> rhythm. You know what I mean? You would, It, would, it oh, would. Yeah. Yeah. You. You'd you don't, never keep up. Yeah, you don't want to try and mimic woodpeckering. That's not a good idea.
1: (laughs) Oh God. Especially it's especially dangerous because if you get too close you might, you know, mistake your wood for actual wood and then he's pecking on it and then you just got holes in your dick, peeing all kinds of different ways. Oh man. Just nothing but
0: problems. Nothing but problems. So your area, you know, got totally shut down, but I believe you said there wasn't all that much COVID up there. Uh, so generally speaking at this point, are people just kind of like going about their lives or what's the general vibe?
1: Well, dude, it's close. I'm actually, I'm calling you right now from outside of a bar. Yeah, that's right. I'm actually drinking beer at a bar in public right now, which is pretty amazing.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what makes it even more American? You're spending government money to do it. Fuck yeah. (laughs)
1: Hell yes, brother. Get my taxes and using them right? Right.
0: Are, um, are you starting to set up comedy shows again?
1: Getting there. There's uh, the theater in town that we have a good relationship with uh, has already reached out to me about setting up another show. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to do that relatively soon. I think uh, I think it might be a while before we can get those kind of numbers. Maybe at least, maybe another month or so. But right now, you can finally get together at a restaurant. You still got to sit, like, you know, like, uh, the tables are spaced out pretty weird, like at least six or whatever feet apart. But, um, the fact that the guy who runs it reached out, that's a good sign. He wants to do, uh, this local cabaret show that they do every year. And that's priority number one. But once that's done, he's like, hey, I really want to do a local family show. And I said, you let me know. So it's, uh, pretty exciting. It's a cool show. Yeah. we had, uh, some people uh, like Sean Patton has performed at this theater before, uh, and a couple other bigger comics. It's actually a pretty decent sized stage, about 150 people. So we gotta get you out. Do one of these shows, Seth.
0: I mean, I had I had the most fun when I did yours. I kind of I think when I give up my apartment in July, I might plan a summer porch tour road trip. I don't really know. Who the fuck knows what's going on with the world and what my job right. requirements might be. But, you know, summer summer's coming around the corner, and I definitely want a porch tour. So we'll see where that takes me. Hell
1: oh, yeah, bud. Well, I got a porch, so you just keep me posted, man. We'll figure it out.
0: There you go. All right. Thank you uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, they can find you. You're everywhere as Steamboat Comedy, right?
1: Yeah, anything Steamboat Comedy. We have a Twitter page. I really use it. by Instagram, Facebook, SteamboatComedy.com. Check out the Steamboat Comedy Podcast. It's everywhere. They so said we just did an
0: episode that was awesome. I got a few more good ones coming out soon. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And thanks for having me on, man. And I appreciate by, it. By the way, if you have any particularly good purchases with government money, we want to hear about it. Like, if you uh, buy acid with government money or like a meal for, like, seven other people that you never could have afforded, or, like, you buy yourself a hot tub. Like, whatever you do that's outrageously indulgent and you only do because it's government funds, I want to to hear that story. (laughs)
1: Let's see. I got nothing too outlandish. I bought a bike and I bought a bunch of other just random shit for things to do, a bunch of board games, probably the standard shit, and then, like, you know, Obviously, a bunch of alcohol, because, I mean, why not, you know? And I go about one step higher up the shelf because I could afford it. And by, I, I mean, Uncle Sam could afford it. Isn't there something... I, the,
0: I mean, it is so uh, hilarious that you can get government unemployment money and spend that, if you wanted to, on drugs and alcohol, and then tell them, hey, I'm unable to find a job. Well, I mean, what a what a, what a glorious <laughs> system. That you can, have, you can have money for not working and they don't judge you they don't ask any questions they don't care why you're not working it's just here you're not working and you know we want to make sure that you don't fucking uprise against us for giving too much money to the banks
1: right and it's great because the not only are like we on the government money but the government has deemed that the alcohol stores are essential can stay open and because of colorado the weed stores are deemed essential so you can't go get a haircut but you can of course throughout this whole thing go buy some fucking you know cracked out wax bubble hash dab rig thing you ever smoke dabs robbie you know i'm talking about
0: oh have i ever smoked dabs
1: (laughs) Well, dabs are essential, Brett, so you get that government money and you can come out to Colorado and no, it'll stop you.
0: I remember, the problem with dabs is that uh, it goes from like casually smoking weed to feeling like you're a drug addict. You need the the guy with the blowtorch. Yeah, you need the guy, like it's too much equipment. It's like doing heroin at that point. But I remember the first time I ever saw concentrates was back when I was in college, I was smoking a lot of weed. And someone's like, oh, I got this concentrate. And then they had, like, a whole fucking rig for it. And I was like, all right, I'm in. And that was, like, when I was, you, you know, when you're a college asshole version, like, you're at the bar and you're like, oh, I'll have 15 shots. I'll chug this. I'll chug, you know, that attitude. So I definitely had that where it's like, fuck you and your fucking concentrates. You think you're going to get me fucked up? And I just, I I remember the level of just fucked upness. And I've, I've, had, <laughs> I've had dabs since then. Um... And, yeah, well, g- g- wait, why are you doing dabs? I forgot why we even started this.
1: Oh, well, I was just saying you can still buy weed. And so it's like, you know, like, oh, it's uh, it's not essential to go, like, and get your nails done or your hair done or buy whatever thing you need. But you can still buy the equivalent of, like, crack cocaine weed at the store because that's a right. It's, it's like- so high that you can't walk.
0: Right, it's like, it's one thing to tell me that buying weed is essential, but the dabs, there's no way the dabs are essential.
1: <laughs> it's all essential. The gummies, all of it is very necessary.
0: Yeah, dude, I gotta say, because I remember my experience with making edibles when, uh, you know, the thrill of making edibles was that it was potluck. Sometimes he ate an edible and two hours later, you know... You were glued to the couch. Sometimes you took an edible and, you know, it didn't do much. Other times I full out tripped balls on edibles. Like that to me was the thrill of an edible was that it was kind of Russian roulette that you never really knew what was going on. Then when this new world of edibles came about where it was like milligrams, to me that was like, I, I don't know, it was like the wrong metric for weed. It's like, no, no, you just eat an edible and you get fucked up. It's not like... 10 milligrams is going to get you more fucked up than five milligrams. Like that's not the way it works. It's just supposed to be random. And sometimes you trip balls and sometimes you don't even like get that fucked up. Like that's the way edibles are supposed to be. Um, but my friend brought back these edibles from, uh, um, uh, Massachusetts where it's legal. I think the brand is called Illuminary or something along those lines. I can tell you guys. And they were like these little five milligram, um, like, edibles and it would tell you hey this takes exactly a half hour to click in and I can just tell you that to me was one of the like that to me was the perfect weed product where I like I I was a stoner again I would took the shit every day until I was done with it it was like high energy laughy you knew exactly the way it was going to hit you Um, so I and I hate like I'm more of like a vape pen guy because I gotta be I, I hate like smelling like weed or thinking I smell like weed
1: Yeah. Yeah, the vapes are nice for that, too. It doesn't doesn't stick out yet. And obviously, the gummies are nice for that, too. Uh, And if you get, like, what you said, that's uh, the nice thing about having legal gummies as opposed to illegal gummies, is you can actually find a brand and have something that's consistent rather than just be like, oh, hope I don't shit my pants for this time, like when I take mushrooms. Like, you're like, well, it looks like it might be potent, but I don't know. And you take, like, a whole bag and do nothing, and then the next time you eat, like, one cap and you're on the fucking moon
0: for an hour you know I one time had you know Joey Diaz used to talk about the stars of death yeah. so I think I one time ate a corner of one of those stars of death and it was not when I was a big pothead anymore like I probably hadn't smoked weed for two months before eating this one corner and it was only because I was drunk late at night by the way that is one of the, and I do this all the time, it's like the rookie mistakes are rookie mistakes is being out with people and being hammered when someone pulls out edibles and you're like, fuck it. And that is a, <laughs> that is a nightmare every time. <laughs> I
1: made that mistake once, but with acid, and that was a really interesting night. was um, college.
0: <laughs> I've done mushrooms plenty of times. I've never done acid. It's,
1: well, I like mushrooms way better. And it's just because it has to just last so long, dude. You're just, it's like a 12-hour commitment. Right. You know? Right. And if you're having a bad time... You're like stuck. an hour in, then you're just like, well, time is not going to move so slow right now because, like, I'm never going to get out of this. Ugh. Just forever. It's like purgatory.
0: Right. But well, that's why, why I got to tell you...
1: And it's over. You know? I,
0: I haven't done, um... Well, I... I haven't done Salvia in probably, I don't know, seven or eight years. Uh, I remember doing Salvia in high school. I was one of the rare people that really, really liked Salvia. Now my experience, okay, that, is her. that is very <laughs> rare. I, I, I've got a couple experiences with Salvia along those lines. Um, one is I feel like you're, you enter into a demented realm. This is of my later experiences. You enter into a demented realm with whoever the people of that realm are like they, you're the butt of the joke. They they kind of want to fuck with you. It's like a demon realm where they're kind of like laughing at you. They don't want you there, and so you kind of leave with this feeling of discomfort. Um, but my takeaway of of Salvia was that the first the first couple times I did it, it was uh the first time I did it was really enlightening. The second times, the two times I did it, it was a bit of a thrill, and then I think after that, it was like whatever was beneficial of salvia I had absorbed from it and so like it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna allow me to learn anything else or appreciate anything else from it but what's great about salvia and I like it and I think it's what people have told me about DMT is that you're like fucked up but it's 10 minutes and then you can move on with your life
1: right yeah it is really short and that is the big plus uh and yeah that's DMT is supposed to be a way too I've never done it I tried to do it one time And my buddy actually just tricked me into, not intentionally because he was all fucked up, but he was like, oh, I'm going to sprinkle it on this bowl because that's how you do it. And I said, okay. And he sprinkled like almost none on. I just took two giant rips of this bowl and it got so high and I hadn't smoked in like five years. And then I went home and I watched Black Mirror and that was a giant mistake.
0: Oh yeah. That sounds horrific. (laughs) You should have known better. Like, unless that was, that sounded like you wanted to punish yourself.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I I didn't know what I was signing up for. I don't know if you remember the season three, the episode where that woman's like freaking out and all these people are chasing her. She can't figure out why. And then at the end, you figure out that she's like a prisoner and they just like torture her for like a TV show.
0: Ugh, I know. I only, I
1: I, I don't. I was so high and I kept trying to figure it
0: out. I was like, what are
1: they doing? What are they doing?
0: I don't like, uh, I don't like. I, I don't like horror movies. I don't like the horror genre. I watched one episode of Black Mirror because uh, my friend was trying to, like, write jokes about it, and so I watched one to get context to try and help him punch something up, but it's uh-huh. it's just not it, 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 not my thing. Not my thing.
1: Well, it's each, each episode is different, and some are way more crazy than others, and some are a lot more, like, just interesting rather than, like, fucking horrifying uh, but that one was pretty brutal. There's another one called Metalhead, and it's about like a future where there's like these little tiny AI robot dog things, and they just like track you down and kill you, and it's fucking so, so brutal.
0: What I, uh, all right, last question, and then I'm going to let you go. What have you Sorry. currently, like, what are you currently binging television wise, or are you mostly just on the video games?
1: Ooh. Well, no, I actually, I'm, I'm trying to take a break from the video games just because I was feeling unprotective. But the, uh, the show we're watching right now, we're re-binge-watching uh, Silicon Valley. You ever
0: watch that show? Yeah, yeah, Silicon Valley. All right, here's here's my hot take on Silicon Valley. I love yeah. Silicon Valley. Watched every episode. It was one of the shows that I always get. I'd come in on Sundays really excited. Hey, there's a new episode of Silicon Valley. Um, oh, yeah. I can't see myself re-watching it.
1: Oh, it's. I think it's just as good the second time around. I mean, maybe give it some time because we. Our thing is we never finish it. We didn't finish the last season, and then rather than just restart it, we're like, let just watch the whole thing because we have time or whatever. But I'm still, I'm still dying from that show.
0: Yeah, well, Judd, uh, Mike Judd is a uh, comedy genius.
1: Oh yeah, oh he's brilliant. Yeah, I actually just my girlfriend had never seen Idiocracy, but I showed that to her last week. I forgot how good that is.
0: You know, I was just re- watching random, like YouTube, like on YouTube, just scenes from that movie. And where did where did you rewatch it? Do you have the DVD, or is it streaming somewhere? Um, I
1: think I might have
0: paid. Well, you got that government money. You didn't have to think yeah, twice I got about that
1: government it. Government money and shit. Yeah, Uncle Sam bought it for me on Amazon for two bucks, which was uh, a great investment.
0: There you go. Unemployment. They got to make sure that uh, people are entertained. All right. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Kyle. I hope to uh, to be out skiing with you soon. Yeah, sounds good, brother. We'll
1: hopefully see you here soon, and uh, we'll stay in touch, and thanks for having me on again.
0: Absolutely. All right. Thanks, my man. All
1: right. Later, brother. Peace.
0: All right, so a bunch of recent tech uh, stories in the news that I thought were interesting, so I was trying to track down an expert, and you guys know our track record of getting real experts on the show. So I found some, uh, some dude, he was working in Silicon Valley, he's fled to some, I don't know, like cabin or some sort of shit. I don't even know if this guy actually knows anything about tech stuff whatsoever, but that's the uh, thrill of this podcast and the guests, guests that we have on. So we've got the anonymous, I'm going to call him the anonymous tech rat, cause he's going to rat out everybody and he's going to give us the inside scoop. So uh, let, us see. Do we have him producer guy? Were you able to get him on the phone? Is he there? Are you there? Tech guy?
2: Robbie, Robbie you there.
0: Oh, okay. Perfect. We, we got you on. So first is, I thought that this Rogan deal was pretty cool. The way I'm seeing it is, uh, you know, I think he gets some shit from YouTube and he's like, fuck it, if I can get my hundred mil locked in. I can say whatever the fuck I want. And I get that on paper that I can say whatever the fuck I want and get this big cash prize at the top of my popularity. And I also think YouTube kind of always underpaid him. Cause I think about how much time I've wasted on YouTube just cause I went there. Cause Rogan was there. And then since I was on the platform, cause he doesn't like, you know, YouTube's got the best business model ever where it's like, you can go dump there. You can go dump shit there for free. They spend none of the production costs. And if the marketplace really likes it, then great, they get to sell ads for it, but they never got to put up the money for production. Uh, and so you get a guy like Rogan; it's like your flagship, you know, thing that's you're leading for basically everything else that's on the entire platform, and you don't even have to put up any money for that. I think it's cool that he's getting the payday. But you hit me up to say this is bad news, so floor is yours. Tell us why this is bad news.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's good news for Spotify. I mean, they got a they got a great deal out of this, and uh, you know, you know, hundred hundred mil I think for what, three years of Rogan's rights to be able to have um have that name, be able to, you know, be able to pull in other talent because I mean Rod, Rogan's Rogan they're basically the godfather of podcasters, right? So, you know, being able to bring him in gives them a hell of a lot of legitimacy. So, um, I mean, it's just interesting because, you know, Rogan, you know, being able to get his info out there, you know, his his podcast is you know, over, over, you know, if you, if you, you know, being a podcaster, you know, you put it out there and it goes over RSS seats and it's, it's a pretty open thing. And, you know, going to a closed platform like, like Spotify, just, it just presents, it just presents uh, different issues. Uh, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be a The podcasting game has been, you know, something that's been pretty open in the past. And then going to just kind of this closed thing where, you know, all these great, you know, it might be one of the things where, all these great podcasters that people, you know, love are just like, oh, I got to go to Spotify to be legitimate when, you know, it's just kind of this open model. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting. It could just change the mindsets of people out there as far as where they go to get great content. And if, like, you know, oh, they're not on Spotify, then they must not be a legit podcast. And that, that kind of presents a problem.
0: Yeah, I, I will say along those lines, I've never even checked to see if my podcast is on Spotify. I've never made a point of making sure that it is. Um, but once Rogan goes over to Spotify, I think you figure you then have to be on there because part of it is part of this is about being downstream from Rogan that if you can just be in the algorithm, like on YouTube, for example, if you're in the algorithm as a different podcast and you get recommended because you've got some sort of an attachment to Rogan, your numbers are going to go up and then you can actually monetize your podcast. Um, and so it's going to be the same thing that if everyone's on this other platform, because that's, you know, that's where the people hanging out looking for like this comedy, uh, semi heady content are hanging out. Then you need your podcast to be there, which obviously works in the platform, but the platform's favor and for the rest of us doesn't really equate any dollar figures.
2: So, so it's interesting for Spotify because like uh, as, as a company too, they're putting this huge bet into Joe, but, um, as you know, and you know, people around here, you know, with, with, um, with Dave and, you know, Legion of Skanks and all that they know, like, uh, the cancel culture type people that are out there. Um, you know, what if, you know, Rogan says something that, uh, you know, isn't, isn't great for, you know, isn't, isn't looked upon well amongst, you know, the, the woke crowd, you know, what happens then? Are people going to say, you know, hashtag cancel Spotify, hashtag, you know, all this stuff. So it's an interesting move on their part. Um, but at the same time, it gives Rogan kind of a hedge against, uh, that type of, uh, that, you know, that, that culture, because it's like, okay, I already got my, I, I already got my money in the bank, basically. Um, you know, it's like, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of impervious to these people now. So. I'm
0: going to guess, yeah, but... I'm going to guess that Rogan must've been smart enough to put together his contract in a way that was like, guys, if you decide to fire me and not get my back or make any questions about my content, you're paying me no matter what. Um, and so I think that actually probably takes some takes some risk off of his plate of what existed with YouTube. Not that he's totally, uh, because, you know, I think his podcast probably gets more downloads than the amount of views he gets on YouTube. I think the podcast is still larger for him, so he wasn't really totally at the mercy of YouTube. Um, but it does seem to me like over, as he's become more popular, he seems to censor himself a little bit more and just be a little bit more culturally aware of hey i don't want to draw too much attention to that i'm saying like you know real negative shit or really out there shit
2: yeah i mean you you saw on the other side you know um when he had uh jack dorsey and the general counsel on from twitter and he had a total you know so, or at least i think in the initial jack and you know, we had a super softball interview it wasn't like questioning him. And like you saw on YouTube, the amount of downvotes the actual video got. And so like on the other side of the fence, like if he's not, if he's not basically staying true to, um, you know, what, what made him, uh, you know, there's, there's downside to that too. So, um, you know, hopefully they're giving him, uh, you know, free reign to basically uh, do what he wants rather than having to actually really censor himself. Because when he has censored himself in the past, people have really called him out on it. Uh, But on the other side, now that he's part of a big company, like, you know the, the the woke side of uh, things and the cancel culture can you know come after basically Spotify and so hopefully Spotify's got enough um, basically backbone um, to be able to uh, you know not not fall prey to, to that sort of thing and uh, the Twitter mob and that sort of thing. And you know, I wonder, we'll
0: see what happens. Uh, I, I wonder if we're not that far away from the mar like the market finally beating the cancel culture. And here's where I'm starting to see that happen a little bit. Um, First, you've got the popularity of Rogan, and M- Rogan might be the biggest cultural influence right now, and one of the biggest money, like, he's 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 bigger than any, you know, news anchor in the entire game. You also got to look at the numbers that, like, uh, Sam Morel and Mark Norman specials just did on YouTube. I got to think that, like, even Netflix and Comedy Central are looking at those like, oh, shit, these perform pretty well. And then I also saw Andrew Schultz started doing, like, his own kind of daily show type thing. Which yeah. is content that never would have gotten on on any of the networks. Uh, but at some point, there's gonna be there's gonna be so much lost profit from some of these bigger companies that I think at some point they're gonna have to actually just stand up to the woke crowd and be like, "Hey guys, the money is in this other material. That's what's funny and that's what people like. And so, like, you know what? We're not we're not canceling this. Um, and thus far, they haven't really done that, and they seem to like. It, like, I, I think we all know why The Daily Show went with Trevor Noah. It's because even like even after they found those fucking comments on Twitter of, oh, if the, the lady, you know, uh, the nice thing about being, uh, you know, bending your knee when making a proposal, if she says, no, you're in the perfect position to uppercut. And they tried to get him canceled for that. But like when they were going through the possible hires, they're like, all right, we've got this black guy from another country who confronted segregation. Like, man, no one's had a harder life than that. No one can possibly have a problem with this guy. And they, and like, even that guy, they tried to get canceled. Um, but it's <laughs> at, at some point, Oh, I guess, you know what? They, they did take a bigger chance with Jim Jeffries. And, um, which Jim Jeffries is a funny comic because I used to love Jim Jeffries. And then when he put out that bit on gun control, I was like, that is the, that is the, uh, like ultimate in political satire. And that I can recognize that that is hilariously funny bit, even though I totally don't agree with his opinion, but I still think it's one of the funniest pieces of political satire I've ever seen done. But then when he went over to the comedy central show, it was like, almost two leftist, so you just kind of at least te- i haven't seen a stand-up recently but at least that show kind of did not hold my interest um but anyways the point i'm getting at is at some point it's going to be interest if the market kind of speaks to that there's enough dollars in not playing into this social fucking wokeness bullshit um but it could be that i'm i'm not actually seeing the numbers and i don't well, know how many of these yeah fun.
2: You know, if if Spotify, I mean, I, this is you. You mentioned Netflix. I hadn't really thought about this before. But if say Spotify, you know, obviously if Joe's on there, you know, he has the Jerry clips. You know, he's had the video. He's had the video in studio for well over five years now. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, if Spotify has the video platform, I didn't even think about the Netflix angle. Like, what if they just start getting these comics who are kind of, you know, they've they've they either want Netflix specials or like they they don't, you know, they. Maybe uh, are too edgy for Netflix. Ooh, Spotify, you know, Spotify is just like, you know, we're we we're, we're going to be fine with this, and, and it's uh it's more of a free speech platform, and and you know we're going to move forward with this, uh, and you know that could really you know get some people to you know, if they're if they're going to have you know that that comedy angle to it, um it, it it could be good and it could push everybody kind of away from you know the low culture that we've seen over this you know since what. Well, you know, over the last five so, years or so, how bad it's gotten.
0: Let's well. just talk open source for a second. So open source means like the way that podcasts work, I just post an RSS feed and there's no part of Apple that you know looks into the podcast or removes podcasts. It's just an open platform. You can post it. People can download it. Um, so does Spotify, like does Spotify take a little bit more of an editorial role there that I guess there's content that they won't allow on the platform?
2: Well, you know, I haven't necessarily seen you know, Apple or anybody take, uh, you know, the, the Apple podcast app. I, I haven't really seen them take down uh, anyone's, uh, I, I don't know, they, they take Alex Jones off, they, they did take Alex Jones off there, right? Uh,
0: you know, I'm going to, I, I want to say yes, because from what I remember of that. So,
2: so, essentially where the beauty of, like, the, the podcast building in the RSS feed is, you know, if there's a different podcast player that wants to carry it, like, they can't. You know, it's it's yeah, you know, it's it's if you know people are just used to going to their Apple Podcast player right? it's so easy because it's so you know, baked in. But if they want to go to a different podcast player and get something else or uh, and get get something else that's out there, they can. Oh you, you don't
0: know, you don't have to go through Apple. Like if you list it with Apple, yeah. they'll allow you to you know, for it to go up on yeah, Podbean. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean
2: yeah, the Apple thing has given you know, giving people legitimacy in the past just because, you know, it's you know, it's it's you know at the front of like the featured podcast or whatever that gives them legitimacy. But it's also but it's also not exclusive to athlete visually. So, um, and, and there's been there's been other platforms out there like like I want to say like Gimlet and a few others out there that are, are trying to do this like paid uh like this exclusive uh, uh podcast platform type thing, which is nothing to the scale of what. What Rogan's doing, so it's just going to be really interesting to see. Um, based on how, based on how he got his audience in the first place, it's been you could you could go basically anywhere, uh, any 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 way you you listen to a podcast. If you if you consume it through YouTube, fine. But now now it's on one platform. Um, it's just going to be interesting. It's, it's I don't know if it's a positive or a negative. I just, I think it's overall kind of a negative, just as far as you know, one entity trying to kind of own. The legitimacy of podcasts, um, and so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see here's, how people react. I, I get just basically from seeing the public that they'll see Spotify as, you know, as this legitimate platform, or could could. But we'll see what happens with Rogan. There's so many variables that can happen. Here's it's just, um,
0: it's here's just where Rogan a of a
2: disturbing trend.
0: Here's where Rogan might have might have hurt himself, and it's like. It's a cashing in play. You got to look at like you got to look at Howard Stern when he went to Sirius XM. The guy's made so much money over the last ten years. You can't give any shit to Howard Stern for the amount of money he's made. But he lost most of his cultural influence. I think at one point he was being heard by 20 million people a day. If you look at his current fan base, I'm going to eyeball it's probably 500,000 to a million. It, that's probably about what it is. So he went from being you know, one of the biggest voices in the country to... Now, like he's still cool, even though I don't really like his current content. He's still Howard Stern, you know what I mean? He's still cool, but he's not like one of the, like, a major cultural voice. He just isn't.
2: Well, that's, a, that's the thing. He's relevant to you because you're from the New York area. He is not relevant outside of New York.
0: Oh, you mean Stern? You know, even
2: being on serious
0: Oh, that could be. But I, I'm just saying he's made a fortune. So here's where Rogan might kill himself. Oh, yes. Here's where Rogan might kill himself. So let's say he goes over to Spotify, and Spotify starts loading up the podcast with commercials. And so what ends up happening is about you know, let's just say a quarter of the audience becomes Spotify premium subscribers. And then 75% of the people just go, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want to like, I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to have to listen to all these commercials. And then it could be that like a lot of that audience still listens to the YouTube highlights, but then it could just be over the course of three years, Rogans just left with like the 25% diehards that were willing to pay for it. Now here's what's crazy about that. If his audience ends up filtering down to just the people that were that are like willing to pay for it, he would have been better off probably with his own personal subscriber model. I bet he would have made yeah. more money and I think where Rogan might like listen Rogan's the fucking king and like I, I he's not going to hear anything I've ever said ever and he doesn't need neither my compliments or my criticism but I think what would have been really cool of Rogan and he didn't he didn't go this route is if he'd become more of a producer and started producing stuff for more, not like he should have been, he should have done basically what Lewis did. He should have become his own network. He should have started launching other podcasts. He should have just like started doing comedy specials. There's a lot of shit that he could have done off of his brand name for more of a production side, and it could just be that that you know it's not of interest to him. But like he could have been uh, like a Vince McMahon WWF kind of thing, like that's oh, like the totally, level. Totally, totally. So
2: like why I said like part of this is a hedge. Like you know this is this is you know he doesn't have to do anything. He can coast, get us get us hundred million dollars, and you know do do basically what's natural to him and go. Um, no, he it's a total missed boat as far as um, you know. He could basically you know half his free content and basically say like, hey, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna put my real real exclusive stuff behind a paywall and you know nine you know say it's like a hundred bucks a year for for this like behind a paywall thing you're telling like you're telling me that people you know it's he could keep his actual base on most of his interviews and stuff but like you're telling me like once a week there's some like extended thing that people want to tap into that he's not gonna be able to make a killing off that and immediately be able to get all this capital to be able to do whatever he wants. Like, say if, say if you want to go that route to basically start a real production company, start like a, you know, doing stuff for other people. He's done a lot for other people, especially with, you know, his stuff behind a comedy store and whatnot, but, um you know being able to uh, uh, really be able to empower others to to do stuff by like just just un, you know being able to raise all that capital through to the actual fans rather than you know be subject to advertisers on Spotify like what if some advertiser doesn't you know like something he says they're on Spotify and it riles up other advertisers and like say like there's bigger name bigger bigger fish on Spotify than he's used to instead of you know, the flashlight like it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be problematic and much that work.
0: Well, I guess the best case scenario for him will be kind of like what happened to that chick from Fox and went to NBC or whatever it was she got fired but then they had to pay her that crazy amount of money best case (laughs) best case scenario for Rogan is his contract is so ironclad that if they choose to fire him they have to pay him out and he's still allowed to do the podcast and so he gets him (laughs) like something ridiculous like that or he's allowed to do the show he just call it can't call it the Joe Rogan experience it's got to be like the Joe Rogan show um You know, something along those lines. He just gets his massive payout and gets to move on with what, you know, with his life. All right. Enough of uh, enough of this. There are some other tech topics I wanted to, you know, pick your brain about. The first is um, Google is getting pulled in by the Justice Justice Department on an antitrust case um Bezos being called in for and from what i'm understanding of the Bezos thing um it's it's the world's most simple scam and like of course they're doing it here's the scam it's like CVS CVS sees that like Advil moves a shit ton of Advil so then they put up their you know their product right next to it that's a little bit cheaper at like Trader Joe's does that too every like everyone that does their own thing um Basically, you own a store, you realize Icy Hot does really well, and so you put up your uh, CVS Hot, and it's the same exact product for less money because you've got the data that that product does really well. So Amazon's essentially been doing the exact same thing. Uh, where they see a product does really well. So they just launched the Amazon label version of it. It's cheaper. It is a little bit better. And that, by the way, that's what Amazon, Amazon from the outset was a software company that they were able to crunch the algorithm on pricing for books that they saw what everyone was charging. And so they just charged a little bit less and priced everybody. Now, the big problem with when you're an independent anything and you go to these platforms is that you lend, like for instance, like take Seamless. Seamless is like an online digital mall. It's an online digital food court where you got to pay them 20% for nothing. And it's just because, and it's because every restaurant participates in Seamless that Seamless has the hold on the marketplace that it's the easiest place to go to and see every restaurant. But if not every like, so it's like by being there, like you're you're in part contributing to the power of that brand. Amazon's the same way. Since so many independent retailers will go there, it also gives more might to Amazon that you're better off searching through Amazon for products than Google because they're harder to find. So basically, he (coughs) gave he gave testimony, from what I understand, saying that they don't use any more information than what would be publicly available to compete with the independent sellers uh, um at Amazon. And he might be, I guess, in trouble for some amount of perjury for making that statement. Anyways, to come full circle here, I've always been of the uh, the mindset that when they start giving shit to these companies, it's really just because they want their cut. They want them to play ball. They've done it before, which is how they started to get some of these companies to start making giant political contributions it's a little bit like they force you to go hey you got to you got to pay off one of these parties like listen i'm on the republican side and it should be like i hope it's me but like at least if you know what i mean it's like the mob it's like if you're paying off the dems the dems go to the republicans hey you got to leave them alone i think what's going on with google that the justice department's coming after them is they must be looking for some sort of a switch up in uh, in a little bit of the Left-leaning algorithm that they're gonna start kind of going like, "Hey, if you keep editorializing the internet in this way, we're gonna start giving you some shit for this antitrust."
2: Yeah, I mean, like, is, so yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't totally aware of to the antitrust situation with Google, but yeah, it's you know, obviously when you search, you know, when you search something, and and you know, I we have seen the examples on the internet, and you you know, you go to DuckDuckGo, you know, people do. I mean, people do have a choice on what search engine they they, they use. Uh, obviously, Google's the predominant one. But um, at the same time, like the people are going there basically as, uh, you know, as the default, uh, you know, what, you know, do they have, you know do do they have uh, a responsibility to, to not editorialize it? Um, it's just in case, man. Um, I think, you know, I, I think they shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't necessarily editorialize it. Um, and, you know, if, if they're, if they're manually manipulating it, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think the Amazon stuff is, Super interesting too, just because it's just like you know, like if if they're able to monitor, you know what what vendors of theirs are doing well, and you know in their store that they invite in, they just go out and copy them and just literally own the e-commerce market. Like <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. So you go to the like you can go into it, you know when when people used to go into gyms, you go in and there'd be a um, uh, the, the you know, battle ropes in a gym say Amazon Basics on them. You're just like really you guys are you guys are this cut to that you, you see the battle roaster, you know something high margin out there and, and and you produce it yourselves and knock out you know rogue or you know any of these other any of these other products that are out there so it's just like man it's it's just it's just you know it's you know it's it's like it's like on one side it's, it's capitalism but at the same time like, like to what to what degree is it is it is it anywhere near fair so um I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I have opinions on it, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily articulate. I don't, I don't know if I'm articulating them all that well right now, but um, it's we'll, we'll
0: see what happens. Yeah, well, just to speak off of that, I guess you can say not not that I think government should step in and legislate Amazon, but you might be able to say, them it's like, dude, you guys are already making a spread off of every single brand being on your platform and if at the moment you've managed to get brands like rogue to sell on your platform where you can capture the spread why are you also going to compete with them with your own product to the point that you know they might not be like in other words to me it's almost short sighted where it goes part of why I've got all the, the, like, I have this information about what's selling well here is because they're going to sell on my website. As long as these people are selling on my website, why do I got to launch the Amazon Basics brand? If I start having a problem where these people aren't here, then I can, unless what Amazon's starting to realize is that in all these categories, there's enough, uh, and I, I would fall into this. I kind of, like, I, from a quality standpoint, I, I guess I trust Amazon. I don't know that I've I haven't really bought any. I actually have yet to buy an Amazon Basics product, but if they offer me the next thing I'm looking for for cheaper, I'm not going. Hey, the Amazon thing is garbage. Don't fall for that trick.
2: I will. I will say the Amazon uh, the Amazon Basics poop bags are not as good as uh, the normal ones for, for for dog poop bags. Yeah, they're they're real thin. They just you just you just don't trust them. They say they're they're antimicrobial. Uh, just, it, you don't really trust them.
0: Um, You're getting a lot of shit on your they're, hands. They're because the Amazon people, you got shit all over the place.
2: So to take the other side of the argument. At what point are people actually going to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and stop using the platforms? Like, I know it's impossible to you to not use, you know, AWS or Google Cloud Services and stuff, but at what point are you going to stop using a Google search engine? At what point are you going to stop actually buying off Amazon and actually, you know, take the extra you know, choose or take the extra ten minutes to actually go buy a product direct from the source and, and not actually go through them. Like well, it's on it's on people at some point to stop empowering, you know, basis to take over the world or, you know, Google to take over the world or Facebook to take over the world. Like it's on it's it's like people complain about it all they want, but, you know, are you still gonna use it? Probably. Like and it's only, it's only going to accelerate during COVID on all of this stuff. So as far as your dependence on the stuff, and if you're if, like at, at this point, at, at this point in history, basically, if you, if you're not supporting, you know, people you like companies you like directly, uh, you know, they're going to go away. And so I think if at any point you can, you know, it's, it's going to be harder for people to not use Amazon, but if if you're. You know, if you, if you talk about this and are you know anti you know you know anti these big tech companies doing these things, like, at some point you got to put your money where your mouth is and actually do and just stop talking about it,
0: right? Agreed. All right, I I told you that I was going to have you on for fifteen minutes, and it's already been a half hour. So I appreciate you taking some time from uh, from your family to go for a stroll and answer some of our questions. And uh, that's it for now. I appreciate you, sir. All right,
2: I appreciate you, Robbie. Keep up the good work.
0: All right, later, dude.
2: Thanks, right,